0: Wait a, minute, wait a minute. I mean, rolling, pick one. I mean, in, I'm into it. <laughs> into what? Is it going to be all right? Hello. And- Welcome
1: to All Through a Lens. This is a podcast about film photography where we discuss a little, or in this case, a lot more than just film photography. I'm Vanya. And I'm Eric.
0: On this episode, we're going to be talking quite a bit more than just film photography. We'll welcome Roxana Angles and discuss mindfulness through photography.
1: Both Vanya and I will be digging into the imposter syndrome and how to get out of that weird little spiral. There's a bit on journaling, and we'll be hitting the answer machine questions, some zine reviews, and all the banter that you've grown to love. But first, Vanya, how the hell are you? Sleepy. (laughs) Oh no, I'm so sorry. It's so weird. I feel like I'm just so
0: tired all the
1: time. It's spring, so maybe that has something to do with...
0: Is it? I don't know. Does that mean that I'm hibernating? (laughs)
1: Maybe you are. Maybe you're just now coming out of hibernation and you're just waking up, shaking off those winter blues. Maybe. And you're ready to spring into action, but not quite ready.
0: Yeah, I, I've been getting into the habit of just like taking a nap in the middle of the day. And it's wonderful, but awful at the same time because then I get like nothing done. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> It's well, getting good.
1: Thing, getting things done is pretty overrated, so I wouldn't worry too <laughs> True, much about yeah. that.
0: Um, so, I mean, I've been sleeping, and uh, I also went to Mexico for four days. I got to, uh, I talked about it a little bit on the dev party. I you did. shot some film in the water, and I got to hang out with like some
1: really amazing people. Well, you can definitely listen to the dev party if you want to hear all about that. But I've also heard that you surfed with a sea turtle. I did. That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Okay. So there's like sea turtles just swimming in the lineup everywhere. It was amazing. Every time I would swim out there, though, I was like, okay, I'm going to get a shot of a turtle. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And uh, I just like could not do it. And one moment, my friend was like paddling back out in the water. We we're talking and they're like, sea turtle right behind you. And I turn around and he like goes underneath the water or she goes underneath the water. And I'm like, oh my God. So I like went down there <laughs> to try to find him or her and they were just gone.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> I just could not get one. So I obviously need to go back to
1: try to shoot the sea turtles. I don't see another option.
0: No, I mean, it was really amazing to, like, be on a wave and then you just, like, see this little, like, turtle head poking out.
1: (laughs) It's adorable. It was
0: really cute. I was like, oh, my God. At first, I was like, what the heck? I love the ocean. It's so amazing. I got to see some really cool dolphin action, too. That was pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. Any other photographers?
0: uh yeah yeah, i saw there was like a guy with a drone and there's like a couple local photographers that shoot uh in the water or shoot like there's one guy that shoots in the water i didn't get to meet him Mm -hmm. but there's another guy that shoots from the beach Hmm. and i think that they sell like photos or something like that which i thought was like great what
1: yeah that's a really cool idea yeah why
0: not all right well that's enough about me oh enough about you let's let's talk about you you've you've doing some things huh
1: you know you kind of like two weeks goes by and you realize you haven't done all that much and you're like well maybe i'm on a break (laughs) you know maybe on a little hiatus i haven't gone out shooting in those two weeks i mean i've shot some things i just haven't gone out for the next dev party i've been researching orthochromatic emulsions like i'm really getting into it and just kind of figuring out like what colors that they capture compared to pan chromatic and compared to What came before ortho, orthochromatic? So it's really interesting. And so because of that, I've been kind of playing with two different makes of x-ray film that I have and seeing which colors they're sensitive to and doing some comparison shots. I even, this is kind of a first for me. Actually, not kind of. This is a first for me. I took a couple self-portraits, one of which won't be kept in the basement to scare away the rats. So that's new for me. I've never done that before. (laughs) You've seen, you've seen them, I think.
2: Um, and <laughs> I your silence must be volumes here oh
1: they are oh thank yeah, you yeah i know
0: they are great i kind of it's one of them kind of looks like one of those creepy shots that like could be found somewhere random <laughs>
1: jesus thank you that's what i've always wanted to hear thank you <laughs>
0: yes, just, i'm so sorry oh god Gosh. yeah
1: anyway so um <laughs> moving on from that ego smashing So I've been making some summer plans and we've been trying to sort out what we'll be doing as a podcast in July, when those summer plans come to fruition. We think we'll be taking a little bit of a break from the main episodes. Now this doesn't mean that everything's going to stop. We'll still be doing the dev parties every other week. We're not monsters, we wouldn't leave you like that. We'll probably be doing some stuff, maybe some more uh, like online type stuff in between all of that. Think of it as like a hiatus before a new season, even though we don't technically have seasons, maybe we will now. Uh, and I guess one other thing is just today as we're recording this, I was interviewed on Andrew Wormsley's podcast, Photography Insights, and that oh God, it was a really fun interview. I We interview a lot of people, mm-hmm. and it's so kind of rare to be on the other side of that mic.
0: Yeah, how was that?
1: It was neat. I think I did okay. I said some <laughs> things, that, like in the middle of saying them, I was kind of like, wow, it's almost like I know what I'm talking about. I'm really doing well here. <laughs> And then, of course, I'd stumble over my words and just like kind of like oh, uh, I guess kind of trail off. Like, well, did you feel
0: nervous at all?
1: I did not. Oh,
0: good. And that's That's such a neat
1: thing. Yeah, I did not feel nervous at all.
0: I sometimes forget because I did an interview a while back too with somebody Mm -hmm. and I forgot how it feels to be a little nervous before getting on. And I still get it a little bit when we interview people just because I don't know like how they're going to react and, you know, if it's going to go smoothly. So it's always like an interesting dynamic in the beginning to kind of like get to know someone and then start to like ask them questions. And I trying to be a little bit like more sensitive about, Mm -hmm. you know, like let's like warm people up a little bit you know
1: what i mean (laughs) and that's what was great about this he does things in a very different way that we than we do uh he Mm -hmm. is somehow more organized than we are imagine that and that would mean that i would have to be organized (laughs) (laughs) yes that that would mean that uh he he just had it all down everything was just down there and it it worked so well it really was great Uh, you
0: could just do this podcast by yourself it could be so organized without me
1: that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> anyway, it's Photography Insights. Go check it out. I mean, just listen to the podcast in general. He does a lot of interviews. It's not just film photography. It's uh, photographers in general and some artists and things like that. It's it's really well done. It's it's some great questions, a little bit of fun, and definitely worth worth checking out. And I'll be on there in uh, a couple of weeks. I guess he's not exactly sure. But uh, let's say see, let's see two-ish weeks. Okay, sounds good. So, as always, we have the answering machine. It's time to check it. Every episode, we ask listeners to call in to answer some weird, random question that we throw out in the episode previous. This question did not get a lot of response. Uh, it's. <laughs> and why is that? Vanya, what is the question we asked? Is there a moral or trait that you learned when
0: you were young that you apply to photography now? <laughs> yeah
1: maybe not the easiest question to answer no, maybe not probably the best not. question to ask but here we are let's uh let's push the button.
2: Hello no one is available to take your
1: call. Please leave a message after the tone.
2: One of the photo teachers in high school didn't really like me. I, I did all the the work but I wasn't in the class. I, I snuck in to do it uh, but it really taught me the value of coming at things from a non-serious sort of hobby level with The intention of doing something serious as opposed to the anxiety of doing something on some official level for a class, for a job, something like this with the intention of supporting yourself through your photography. I intend to support myself emotionally through my photography, not financially. But on the rare occasions when you do sell something, it's it's a pretty good ego boost and in a healthy way.
0: I had this conversation with Marley about just I mean, she's going to be in high school next year. And Mm -hmm. I told her, I was like, look, I don't really care what you do. I mean, maybe not like a serial killer or anything like that. That's a bad
1: job choice. Horrible retirement plan. I don't plan. want
0: her to to think in dollars and cents. I yeah. want her to think in like passion and love and like waking up every day and and loving what you do. Yeah, if she's okay with living a little bit on lower, you know, maybe renting a house instead of buying a house or whatever it is, you know, if she's fulfilled in her job and and fulfilled in her life, uh, that's all I really care about. I don't really care as far as like, you know, money for success. And yeah. I think that's like kind of what he was saying in a way. It's like he is allowing it to fulfill him emotionally yeah, and for the love of it. And I, I completely understand. Um, you know, even when I was in the water, people were like, are you going to sell these images? What are you going to do with them? And, you know, maybe I should and maybe I should print them or whatever. But really, right now, I'm just like, no, just send me your email and I'll send you a file of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you're you're shooting anyway. (laughs) I am (laughs) I'm gonna shoot anyway. So here,
0: take it. When it comes down to it, I'm not doing it because I want to get paid. I'm doing it because I love it.
1: Yeah, I'm really a big supporter of the people like myself, who maybe will take jobs that are kind of boring and monotonous and mind-numbing, where you don't really have to think a lot about it so that when you get home, you have all this brain capacity to focus on your art and focus on your life. So that when somebody asks you, hey, what do you do? You don't just say, oh, I work here. You Mm -hmm. say like, well, I'm a photographer because you are a photographer. You just happen to have a job because photography isn't going to support you financially, but it's supporting Mm -hmm. you emotionally. And I think... Being supported emotionally is much more important than being supported financially, Mm -hmm. especially by art. I think so. Thank you, Robert. Hi,
2: Eric and Vanya. The thing for me that I think has carried over from childhood into my film photography, uh, growing up after we ate, we made sure all the dishes were washed and dried and put away, and today... When I develop or do some printing in the darkroom, I don't feel like the job is complete until all of the tanks and trays and measuring cups are washed and put away. Hope everyone is well.
1: Oh, God, if I say, like, oh, I wasn't taught that when I was a kid, it makes me sound like I grew up in, in some kind of squalor. And that's not necessarily true. I like that, though. What a neat thing to carry forward. Um, you know what? And that's look. I don't want to be, I guess, prejudice against men. And of course, hashtag not all men. But <laughs> for for a man to say that, that's pretty cool. No, it is. A lot of men are just like, "What do you mean, clean up? That's not my job. That's woman's work." <laughs> I don't know. It just happens that way. And I'm glad that he's he's. I don't know how old this this uh, Billy Sanford fellow is, but uh, if he's anywhere close to our age, he's probably a latchkey kid like the rest of us. So maybe he had to clean up after himself growing up.
0: Everybody should learn that. I I have a hard time with when people get everything done for them, they need to learn. And I I mean, I'm on my third kid raising right now so these are just basic human things that you should learn you should never rely on anybody to take care of yourself you should learn how to take care of yourself so if you
1: can't clean your own dishes or do your own laundry i mean like should you like have your own job or be trusted with a car or (laughs) be trusted to leave the house i don't i don't know i don't think so
0: Well, I mean, I mean, if you make enough money, you can have all that stuff taken care of. But I do kind of feel like everybody should
1: learn how to take care of themselves.
0: Yes, in the beginning. we as
1: humans should know how to take care of ourselves, regardless right? of the check. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: This is Ancillary Adams, uh, probably uh, not being afraid to push buttons. Actually, it's kind of how I got started in photography, considering how my dad used to be an engineer, and he would bring projects home, and many of them had buttons, and I kind of pushed
1: every single one of them. Now, when I heard that, (laughs) I I thought that he meant pissing people off by pushing their buttons, you know, Mm -hmm. metaphorically pushing, oh, you're pushing my button, and he carried that through to photography from being a kid. And like, well, that's an interesting thing to bring forward, isn't it? (laughs) Pissing them off constantly, purposely, in a bratty way. that's not what he meant. I was
0: like, that sounds like me.
1: It does kind of sound like you. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I wasn't trying to come out and say that, so I'm glad you did. But he, he was mean. He meant. He meant. Like, just he's a button pusher. Anybody who's, who's done any kind of work on computers or work with anything, you know, like you're fixing stuff, button pushers are hard to deal with, <laughs> right? Someone's trying to fix their computer, you know, you trying to help them and they start, you just hear them pushing buttons. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just seeing if this works. Like, no, 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 no. Don't do that.
0: You got to blow on the cartridge. Everybody knows that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, guys, Mike here.
1: Calling in from the Greyhound bus. No, actually on my way to work. Uh, I guess the one thing I learned that I've tried to apply to my life, not just my photography, is, you know, just treat other people the way you want to be treated. Uh, Don't be a jerk. Don't be a creep. uh, Don't be taking photos of people's kids at the park. Because if you do, somebody like me is going to get in your shit. Alright, have a good one. Um, I yeah, promise uh, I
0: won't
1: <laughs> Public service announcement Please do not take pictures of Mike's children And yes. of course that, that I'm not I'm joking but I should go without saying Just don't take pictures of people Who don't want you to take pictures of them That seems really Like a, a really simple Rule to follow
0: Honestly I have a friend that's actually Dealing with this One of their neighbors is ta- She has two small twin children They're okay. like five years old mm-hmm. And they have a neighbor that takes pic a dude takes Mm -hmm. pictures of them
1: why why would he why why would somebody do that
0: um i think he has like he's maybe a little bit unstable and she's called the cops and she's tried to do but there's not really
1: no i mean if he's on public land or his own land yeah and they're out in public he's Mm -hmm. legally allowed to do that that this is not a legal issue it's a it's a moral issue yeah. Don't take pictures of people who don't want you to take their picture. It's yeah. such a simple, such a simple concept that for some reason, a lot of photographer dudes can't get, can't wrap their head around. And very simple.
2: Hello, Eric and Vanya. This is Kevin out of Roseburg, Oregon. Uh, I think one trait we all learned growing up is uh, just to be in the moment and play and use our imagination But as we get older, we also kind of unlearn how to do that. And I think maybe that's something we should all try to get get more in touch with as adults.
1: I don't think you have a problem with that.
0: I don't. Uh, at all. <laughs> you have a problem getting- I have the opposite problem.
1: <laughs> you do. You have a problem coming out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I have a I think I'm kind of balanced in that. I'm not a big deep lost in my mind. You're not uh, whimsy. <laughs> I don't have a ton of whimsy, I guess. Maybe I'm a little whimsical. <laughs> I don't know. I don't daydream a lot. I don't um I can definitely be in the moment when I'm out there on my own photographing. Mm-hmm. I am a very, I guess, a very technical. I kind of hate that term, photographer. Where I, I
0: you kind of are though. Yeah, and it's okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't. My, my. Hopefully, my photos don't like don't show that. Like, oh my god, everything's exact. Obviously, my photos don't show that everything's exact and right on. I don't. Maybe I don't come across that way. But I am very like meticulous. So mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of time for play when I'm shooting. I don't. I don't do that. I don't like shoot from the hip or anything like that. And I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think people maybe should do a little bit more of that. Mm -hmm. Not me though, of course not me. What are you
0: talking about? You love shooting with me and I'm kind of like
1: that a little bit. Yeah, but I balance
0: that out. (laughs) I know, and he helps me meet her too when he's around. He's like, oh, this is Eviana. I'll be like, what is it? I don't even have to do it, (laughs) it's great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, that works out pretty well for you, doesn't it? Yes,
0: it does, it's awesome.
1: I guess we probably should get around to answering this ourselves, should we not? Sure. Okay. So (laughs) how about you? What moral, what trait, what thing you learned as a child have you carried forward to photography today?
0: Okay, so I did put I did write something down. Okay. But also I guess I didn't really realize that I am kind of I I I am a daydreamer and I am just kind of very distracted. I am the dog that sees a squirrel um i'm like oh my god squirrel that's just me sometimes
1: literally a squirrel <laughs> i know <laughs> is that a moral though is is are you morally obligated to daydream
0: uh yeah i think so <laughs>
1: okay fair enough go on
0: <laughs> i would also say being respectful Yeah. I never want to make people feel uncomfortable. I try my best to get permission from people before I post photos of them online. Even the surfers that I shot, all the girls, like I mentioned, like, Hey, here's like a folder of some of the pictures. If there's anything that you don't feel comfortable with me, like posting, let me know. I just think I would like that as a person. So I think it all kind of leads back. To that, the golden rule, Um, treat others how you want to be treated. I'm not perfect at it. I try my best. Mm -hmm. But I I definitely don't ever want to like intentionally upset anybody. And I want to feel comfortable. And I want everybody else to feel
1: comfortable as well. (laughs) Yeah, you're having a good time. Everybody should be having a good time. This is just photography. Exactly. Yeah. What's your answer? Well, my answer is a little odd, I guess. So I was raised in this evangelical born-again Christian home, kind of a Southern Baptist thing going on. Mm-hmm. And there's very fucking little of that that I'd like to carry forward to my life today. And <laughs> happily, I have not. That said, my dad was always very kind, still is, a very kind person. So I remember one time I was a little kid, and we were both driving at night, and we passed this guy alongside the road with his hood up. Uh, my dad stopped and got out of his car to help, and I asked, you know, like, well. Why, I asked my mom, like, why is dad getting out of the car? And his reasoning was, well, that's what Jesus would have done. Now, I don't really know if that's true. I know Jesus was really into building hot rods. I don't know if he would have stopped the, the car to help someone out. Probably would have. He seemed like a stand-up guy. But what my dad did, he did out of kindness. That really stuck with me, that, that sincerity and kindness. And so that's one thing I've really tried to carry forward, just in my life in general. Without a lot of effort, I really just—that's kind of how I was raised, and so that's kind of how I am. I really enjoy helping people if I can. Uh, I mm-hmm. do get a good number of messages and emails every day asking different, you know, weird advice or or, or things camera related. Nothing like you know mm-hmm. like emotional advice—that'd be crazy. And I do help as much as I possibly can. That said. I don't give unsolicited advice, like ever. You will never get that from me. I've discovered pretty early on that it's not just not helpful. People, If people don't ask for advice, they don't want advice. They don't want your critique. And that always comes from a place of being an egotistical asshat. You're not trying to help. (laughs) You're trying to be an asshole, and you're succeeding. So that's... One thing that I think we need to just kind of exercise from the film community in general, that unsolicited Mm -hmm. help, that unsolicited advice, and the unsolicited critiques from the old guard. I think they need to retire, find a lovely cabin in the woods somewhere, preferably without access to the internet, and take all the pictures they want to take and just frolic in the fields until they mercifully pass away from old age. (laughs) Eric! What? I think it would be a... A much better film community
0: Well there's a lot of great people Like yourself who's pretty old Yeah Up there, getting up there yeah.
1: <laughs> And those great people who are old Don't give unsolicited advice
0: A few months ago, a photographer named Gary Quinn left us a voice message for the answering machine question. We can't remember which one exactly, of (laughs) course, but along with that, he talked about journaling and photography. For that episode, we cut that part out of the recording to save time, fully expecting to come back to it on the next episode.
1: Well, as it turned out, I immediately lost the recording, but just a few days ago, I found it. Huzzah! (laughs) So... Let's give it a listen now.
0: So I always keep a notebook in my bag as well, and that's not for writing down exposure values, anything like that. It's purely about why I chose to go where I'm going. What I felt that day, what my own personal state of mind was, the logic behind taking that film stock, that camera body, and that lens. I've, obviously, I've got note taking on my phone, but I just like that process, you know. It can't quantify it. Why do I like a film camera more? I just do. Why do I like sitting with a pencil and a book? And I think I'm more analog than you, to be honest, because I don't even like pens.
1: Pencil all the way, bitches. Woo! Keep it real. So what do you think?
0: I love it. I wish I was better at journaling. Mm-hmm. I remember a few be- years back. A few beers back, too, A few beers actually. back. <laughs> yeah. I got my... I, well, so I like to get people presents that I actually kind of want.
1: Now, do you get these for yourself as well?
0: No, I I don't. Okay. Things that I want, but like know that I like probably won't do, you know? Okay. (laughs) So I got my sister this book. It's like a journal. It's called The 52 List Project. This was a a couple years back. And so like every page tells you like write a list of certain things. Sure. It's amazing and kind of, you know, helps kind of like mix things up a little bit. I would love to do it, but I just know myself. I'm terrible at it. I got it for her because she's that fits her Absolutely. Okay. I should probably get something like that. Probably. Because I think practicing just like awareness outside, like off screen, off my phone, off the computer, I think we all would really benefit from that.
1: Yeah, good chance. Uh,
0: We're constantly worried about what's next and maybe kicking back with a journal in my hand, collecting flower petals in the pages of places I visit is kind of what I need. Sure, like using it for handy informations like the settings, I do that. Mm-hmm. I, I have a journal for that. I don't necessarily... Do that for all of my cameras. Okay. But I probably should. And so, what I was thinking is maybe I should take an extra five minutes at each spot that I stop mm-hmm. and just write. Write something. Anything. I kind of feel like it would just make it more of a fulfilling trip. Like, why am I in such a hurry to get to the next place? Yeah. I mean, maybe light. (laughs) I could see that. Why can't I just take a few more minutes and and write some stuff down? Yeah. Just a couple more tiny details. I have an example of this, actually. When you and I were in Gates of Lodor, we were shooting, you know, the canyons. It was gorgeous. Yeah, it was. And I kind of already got my shot. I was done. Mm -hmm. And you were not done.
1: No, I took way too long. You (laughs) wanted...
0: He's very technical. He's like red filter for this one. Da, 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 da. Slower when I get the tripod out, like, which is great. I love watching it. It's wonderful. It, I really like to see the differences between like how we you know we work completely different but we work together pretty well too i think so i was done and so i decided to draw the the canyon in my notebook i mean it's awful it's in pen (laughs) it's terrible but it was just like relaxing and it's a good memory i remember that yeah it was like a a really nice moment yeah it was and now that i've said all of this i've come to the conclusion that i basically want to be like Anne holland
1: (laughs) you know so do i
0: (laughs) All hail Queen Anne, the instant Polaroid journaling matriarch of the film photography community. We love her. We do. (laughs) How about you? I mean, you definitely, I've seen your journals and you take pictures of them and put them on your story sometimes. They look like doctor's notes.
1: (laughs) My journals are a mess, but I can read them. But you know, I do. I like the idea of being mindful about not just like what you're shooting, but why. And I never, my journals don't cover that. So, like, maybe there'd be some correlation that I'd find between how I'm feeling, you know, emotionally or mentally or whatever, and the decisions I'm making behind the camera. If I'm sad, maybe I make more mistakes then. I don't know. I'm not journaling. I don't know these things. So as of now, yeah, I, I do take notes on the basic settings. Uh Recently, I've been talking to another photographer, and he goes like really well beyond that, even sketching the scene and, and making notes about how he might want to print it. Still, and that's incredible, but it's still very technical. And what Gary is talking about here is a little bit more esoteric. So for me, I think doing all of that uh, comes well after. Like, when I'm sharing a photo, I'll often write about more than just the lens settings. And honestly, while that stuff is important, like the lens Settings and and what I did and the aperture and all that. It's just God. It is so mind-numbingly boring to go on about it in writing or God in talk. It's just boring. So to have a notebook with a passage or two about how I was feeling and the reason behind some of the shots and some of the decisions I made to take or to not take, which is even maybe more interesting, uh, it would be helpful or at least more accurate when I finally do write my descriptions, which sometimes happen over a year later. It would help me remember more. You know, writing it down helps you remember things. You know, it's just one more medium that you're you're practicing. And so you can retain things better that way. So soon we'll be talking about all of this and mindfulness and all of that. And I'm really kind of curious about how this will all fit together.
0: Roxana Engels Labelle as Roxana Log from the Negative Positive Podcast, but she's also an author who wrote a book, An Introduction to Mindfulness Through Photography. We're giving her a call to talk to her about it.
2: Hi, how are you two? Doing
1: great. How are you?
2: Good. Awesome. It's been a day. It's been a week. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's been a week, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> well, I'm super excited to record with you guys tonight. Yeah, Thanks for having awesome. me on. <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. Thank you for agreeing to come on. <laughs> uh so we wanna just kind of get into it, I guess. So the the story of how you got into film photography is a really important part of your work. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that.
2: I always remember shooting film because that was the only thing growing up. So I was your disposable camera type of a girl, like, you know, buy a ton of them and then drop all of them off at the whatever drugstore it was. But that was like the extent when I really got into it, though, was after the digital thing. And you know, it's funny is during that time, I kind of lost interest. It was like, I took pictures, and I still loved it. It didn't grow into a passion until just like, three and a half, four years ago. It's funny, I'm going to be talking about the book I wrote, but it was during a time where I was experiencing so much anxiety. Do I'm a school counselor for anybody who's a listener. And it can be really heavy along with that with personal stuff, just overwhelming when you don't have an outlet. And I was surfing the net and I ran into a YouTube series called I think it's just analog series. The person who produced it just followed around like four different photographers, all that shot film, mainly in Southern California. I was like, I want I kind of want to try that. That seems really fun. And one of them was Juan Martinez was shot and he's, um, you know, beers and camera uh-huh. over in San Diego. And you know, that's how I knew about that. And I started hanging with those guys and mm. shooting film. And I was obsessed.
0: <laughs> so
2: what is uh, what is mindfulness? To try and sum it up in a quick, like snapshot. It's not quite meditation. It's really like a meditative type of a practice mm-hmm. that it helps you appreciate the moment, the present moment. It also helps you embrace all of the emotions that you might be feeling. A lot of people have this conception that it's just all about positive thinking. It's not necessarily because it's really about also embracing the negative things that happen and recognizing it, giving it the attention that it needs so it can move on. Because it's like when we push down different emotions and we ignore them, they come back up later and they're not so fun. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That is true.
2: Even the book I wrote is really like super introduction. It's like the ABCs of what it is.
1: How does mindfulness connect to film photography?
2: I connected it myself. When I started shooting film, I noticed how it made me feel. It wasn't that I picked up the camera. And I intentionally was like, this is going to make me feel so good. (laughs) I (laughs) didn't have that intent. I was like, that looks like a fun hobby. But then what came with it was Um, I noticed that when I would go shoot, I would feel really calm. Mm -hmm. I noticed that if I was anxious or stressed, if I went out to shoot, it would bring me to a really nice place and it still does even now. And that's when I started making that connection of like, you know, (laughs) 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 this works for me. Like why can't it work for other people? Mm -hmm. And I was kind of connecting the dots. So life can seem pretty
0: monotonous and mundane from day to day, but how do you overcome
2: this, especially while shooting? Honestly, when it comes to shooting film, I feel like the limitations can bring some of your best work. Like, I think if you're open to it, it's really hard because sometimes you just don't feel like it. Yeah. Or, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, all of I don't know about YouTube, but I have woke up where I'm like, I don't feel like it. Like, I know I want to, <laughs> but I'm feeling like I'm in a creative slump. Like, where's my inspiration? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, do. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you push outside of the box because if you love it enough, you know, sometimes in the creative arts, you feel like you have to create whether you want to or not. Like there's this thing inside of you. That's like, I have to create something.
1: Yeah, (laughs) for sure.
2: It is a lot of work. It's super (laughs) rewarding and it is fun, but it can be a challenge. But with limitations also comes some of my favorite work. Like Mm I would have never, ever, ever started shooting uh, flowers in water had there not been a million limitations because (laughs) I like shooting like portraits of people (laughs) (laughs) so uh, and there you go (laughs) Mm -hmm. so journaling
0: also plays a big part in this practice when do you suggest that being used do you Like during your shooting, is it after shooting or is it at the end of the,
2: like after a session, like after the day? It felt like homework if I made myself do it at a certain time, which I really didn't like that feeling. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be like, oh, I have to do this. (laughs) I didn't want it to feel like homework. And, you know, I even prescribed journaling anyway as a therapeutic practice or a counseling practice. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is I was just reading that in the creative, in any creative activity, if you pair it with writing in a journal, there is a magic that happens and it really helps you in your process. It helps you organize your thoughts. Mm -hmm. It helps inspire ideas. It helps even, and in this case for, for kind of journaling your journey, it it helps you reflect in uh, hindsight. So you're able to uh, go back and see your growth. So
0: like you're taking pictures, so you're documenting, but you're also documenting the documenting as
2: well. Yeah, it's like (laughs) a double (laughs) documentation. (laughs) And you're printing your work. (laughs) that's super intentional because I really believe in printing your work anyway if not it lives even if you shoot film it lives on your phone Mm -hmm. or your drive or just in your negative sleeves and god it's so beautiful when you print it out just print your work people I don't care (laughs) if you read the book or not just print your work and give it the platform it deserves
1: (laughs) (laughs) So how bringing that all together, then how do you suggest journaling, especially with printing and, and what would a typical journal entry look like?
2: I love being creative in lots of ways. Like mm-hmm. I love mixed media. I love keep, like, keeping creative journals. I love like collage and all of that stuff. So the first time around I printed and I just, I did like Costco prints and I was like, okay, yeah. you know, I'm gonna do this all and I'll just print them and I'll paste them in and I'll, I, I kept little blank parts. So I would just like write in one side, I put my prints on the other. And I just glue them. And actually, I really love looking back at it. It's super (laughs) cool. Like, I love, it's one of my favorite things to do is I actually flip through that journal and uh, it makes me really happy. I love, like, the, I love the way it makes me feel. (laughs) And then the second time around, I did it with Polaroids. So that was super fun. I used Mm -hmm. my Polaroid camera because I kind of wanted to see what, it was like, because I do shoot film and I know that the, s- the slow process of it also has something to do with mindfulness yep. is, you know, you don't see it right away and you have to wait and you don't even know if the film's going to come out. Yeah. But I wanted to try it with Polaroids too. It was a different experience and it was super fun because I was able to also write on the Polaroid. So if I was, say, uh, out and about and doing this, and I didn't have my journal, but I kind of wanted to take a couple of notes, I was able to make some notes on my Polaroid. And that was really cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, that,
0: that's smart. I I sometimes do that with the uh, little Fuji Instax like, I will take a picture of me taking a picture.
2: <laughs> yes, I love that so much. <laughs> it's so fun. I love Instax. I love Polaroid. It's just, you know, there's just something magic that is magic. I don't even know how it works. All of that stuff <laughs> is magic.
1: <laughs> in the book, you also talk about seeing things in like a childlike way. You know, how, how do you mean this?
2: That's a big part of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I challenge you guys on this one too. It's kind of like if you have a favorite place that you used to go to when you were a child and then you're excited to take your child when you're grown up, maybe the magic has worn off, but then it's like you get this sort of sense of renewal. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't have kids, it's about putting on the lens of what if, this was what you were seeing for the first time. Like, what if you had never seen water and you've never seen the ripples, like when you touch it? What if, you know, you've never seen light shine upon something a certain way? It's just, it's about noticing. It's part of the magic, I think, of life too. I think that we go so fast paced. Yeah. And... It's so easy to forget about all of those. And and with mindfulness, when you get deeper into it, you start noticing the feelings inside too. Like, and then you start noticing the feelings before the feelings. And you kind of know when, when maybe you're about to have an anxiety, like when that starts coming and then you're like, okay, this is where I'm at. And one of the practices when you get deeper into it is that you observe the feeling as if it wasn't happening to you, and I think that that's really what I mean by seeing the world like a child.
0: Yeah, I yeah. call it following a toddler, and it does. It yeah. reminds me of my youngest daughter, Marley. She's thirteen now. Uh, she was very slow. She was not like a crazy like toddler running like <laughs> psycho. Like she was just very calm, very slow, and very attentive. So if there was a leave on the sidewalk, she was definitely gonna walk up to it, stare at it for like a minute, and then go reach for it and like see how it felt, and then look at the colors and then like point to it and then show me. And it was like this process. And I, you know, my one of my best friends, she lives in New York, she came to hang out with us and she was like, Oh my god, how do you deal with this? And it it was, it took a while to kind of be okay with just taking a long walk around the block. It took us like an hour sometimes because it was so many things to look at and she was experiencing it. And I and I I got to see her experience all these things for the first time. And it did really open my mind up to, um, I mean, I'm a distracted person. I'm always constantly looking at things too, so it makes sense <laughs> that she would be that way. But seeing it, you know, seeing it a little bit more mindful, like, oh, you know what? I would have walked past that leaf and didn't realize the veins and the colors and how pretty it is. So just like taking a moment and letting just see your surroundings, it's wonderful. Yeah.
1: So in, in your book, you, you really do push that it's just, this is just photography. It could be film photography, digital photography, using your cell phone, whatever. Just get out there and capture mm-hmm. it. But one of the yeah. big differences between digital photography and film photography is that with digital, you see your, your photos essentially immediately, right away. You know, but with film, you have to wait a few days or weeks if you're sending them to a lab. So is one more effective than the other?
2: Oh, you guys, you know, this (laughs) film is more effective.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, why is that?
2: I think that you'll get more out of it if say you wanted to start shooting film. I think the least effective one is your phone because of all of the distractions that it brings. That's why I say, you know, if all you have is your phone, turn it on airplane mode.
0: So um, this is the question that we asked our listeners uh, for the answering machine that we just uh, did. Is there a moral or trait that you learned when you were young that you
2: apply to photography now? That's a really good question. Thank you. And I was a super shy child, but I would always pay attention to people. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely sense emotions before they come. I can, like, almost sense I'm usually about 90% right of something that's going to come out of one of my students' mouths. Like I already know the tone (laughs) of what is coming or one of my teachers or one of my, it's like, I can, it's very rare that something comes out that, shocks me. And I think that that's a trait that I had when I was little just by being an observer. And that carries through when I try to catch little tiny moments with the camera and photographing people. I'm always searching for those stories that people have in their faces like little laughs or a twinkle in their eye it's like (laughs) I just want to catch them when in a moment that's a beautiful moment that's real and authentic yeah that That was probably the best answer we got
1: (laughs) well we can't pick favorites come on
0: now (laughs) we can't pick favorites well we can (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right so where can people buy your book
2: um actually i have the link on my instagram Okay, i have it on my link tree my instagram is Roxanalog. yeah that's that so would you like to add anything else any projects that you're working on right now my favorite project is really with the negative positives i'm featuring women female photographers Mm. um every couple of weeks on the negative positives i feel like it's it's important and we have so many amazing female photographers that don't have they don't really have like a large following or (laughs) you know or kind of are kind of like outliers And their work is amazing. And I love highlighting it. And I've had so much fun. It's been so amazing getting to know all these amazing people that are out in our community.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much. We really, really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you so much. It was so fun. I love yes. talking about all this stuff. So, oh yeah. It's a blast.
1: <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. all right,
1: bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>
0: Imposter syndrome is a feeling of doubt in your own talent, in your own abilities, despite evidence to the contrary. For some, it could be a nagging feeling of insecurity, but for others, it can turn into an almost paranoid certainty that someone will
1: expose them as a fraud. Ironically, this often strikes after something good. Rather than believing that these accomplishments came from our own skills and expertise, we end up thinking that it was luck or random chance that led to our success.
0: This seems to be a human problem. While imposter syndrome is often recognized as affecting women more than it affects men, research has shown that it affects all demographics. It's just that men are culturally predisposed to ignoring their emotions. Imagine that. (laughs)
1: So in many of the papers and articles we've read, the focus is on CEOs and celebrities and the incredibly wealthy, the successful people. It's almost as if to say, like, see, they're just like us. Even the incredibly powerful can have doubts.
0: But let's set that aside. We're not CEOs. We're not famous. We're just scraping by. We're not professional photographers. We're taking photos, doing zines and talking about photography. In fact, for many of us, film photography is our art.
1: However, even an artist isn't immune to this. Articles about artists at the top of their game abound, and in those cases, they're speaking to professional artists. Their stories, at least to me, aren't really relatable or even inspiring in the least. I'm not a professional photographer. I have no desire to be one. But for some reason, I still feel like I'm faking it. (laughs) So... Let's dig into this a little bit. We're doing things in a little bit of a different format. Sometimes we'll be reading, like we were there, scripted, and sometimes we'll just be kind of sharing our feelings and and thoughts on us. We've both had these issues a little bit. Yes. And I think we're kind of just uh, trying something new here. So let's dig into the causes of imposter syndrome. So a lot of the literature on imposter syndrome says that it can hit hardest after a success. We're left wondering if we can match this success
0: again. So things that can make you feel imposterous, let's go for it.
1: (laughs) So like, I'm a perfectionist. I don't like that. I was going
0: to say being a perfectionist. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And that definitely adds to that. And? Procrastinating. Yes, and you're a procrastinator. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. I see what you did here. I did do something there, <laughs> yeah. And comparing comparing yourself to others who have maybe more experience than we have. Our fear of failure. Mm-hmm. We, do you have that?
0: Uh, sometimes, okay. yeah.
1: I don't know if I do. And that's kind of the problem, I think, with imposter syndrome and me. I'm, I'm always convinced that I don't have it, and I look a little bit deeper. And I'm like, no, 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 I do that. So we'll figure that out. I definitely have this. You you don't think you deserve success? Yeah, that happens a lot with the podcast. Uh, I'll does. look at some of the numbers sometimes, or you know, honestly, we'll, we'll both look our Patreon numbers, and we just like, oh my god, what's what are you thinking? <laughs> Have you have you listened to us? <laughs> I don't know if we don't think we deserve success. But we're just kind of dumbfounded that it's there.
0: You're gonna give people second thoughts. Well, so. I hope hush not. Hush. No,
1: I hope not. But we do we are very grateful for it. We're just not sure why.
0: Well, okay, let's how about you break it down? I'll tell a story and you'll tell a story. Okay. Of something that maybe felt imposterous. <laughs>
1: okay, go for it. No, you first. Oh, well, me to go first. Okay. So for me, this happens um, at the first failure after a success. And this is a common thing as well. A lot of people get tripped up because of success. And like, oh my God, I don't deserve this. And, and it's not that I think I deserve the success, but that's not where I get tripped up. My trip is when I fail. And that's part of being a perfectionist, I think. Because you hit success and you're like, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And you fuck something up and you crash right on that high. So when I was shooting the Intrepid 4x5, along with the Mamiya RB67, I was producing photos that I was really happy with, the stuff that I really liked, and stuff that people really seemed to like, too. And I wanted to up my game by getting a new 4x5, the Shamini. This is like a, you know, a, a really lovely camera, one that I would actually recommend. And I thought that, since I had conquered the Intrepid, the Chamonix would take my art to this next level, whatever that means. And that's a big problem, too, when we start kind of competing with ourselves, and for fuck's sake, competing with others in art, I think a lot of things go wrong there. But shooting with it, I just couldn't make this camera work. But I couldn't connect with it. And I made a ton of mistakes, like rookie mistakes, ones that were totally unrelated to the camera. The thing just totally threw me off. I was just fumbling around. And I got really, really upset with myself. And I was just really pissed that I couldn't, just make this work for me, even though I knew I could. I was angry and I was frustrated and I was, I was disappointed in myself completely. And that's when these little doubts come in. We have these little voices in our head and they're very, they very rarely say good things about us. <laughs> And that's that's because they're not really us. It's not us doing this. I'm not saying we're hearing like foreign voices or whatever, but those- I know,
0: I was like, wait wait a minute, Eric, what's going on here?
1: (laughs) It's not what we really believe. These are little voices and they're saying to me that you might be this really- okay, medium format photographer. You can maybe pull that off. <laughs> but when it comes to large format photography, you just don't have what it takes. You're not a large format photographer. Look at your medium stuff. Isn't that good? Look at that. That's where your success is. But your 4x5 stuff, you can't make it work. You don't have what it takes to get even one good photo on your own. You're just fucking bad at this. Sure, sure, sure. You might get a few likes on Instagram, but It's just because of the flaws. People are like, oh, look at that lightly. Isn't that so awesome? Uh, Or you you use a yellow filter on a beautiful sky. Your skills had nothing to do with it. It's just mechanics. Whenever anything works, it's not you. When Anytime you ever fuck something up, that's all you. And you would be a better (laughs) photographer if you would just fucking stop picking up a camera oh my God. no seriously those are the thoughts that go through your head and it's really difficult to get them out of your head because even if you have a, a bit of a success they're still telling you that that success isn't yours and if you can kind of get over that and have a few like a series of successes at your first mistake they're just there saying see fucking told you so <laughs> so that's my story that's that's where the most recently where this imposter syndrome has crept up you know what i mean and it's it's mm-hmm. you know it's, uh, this is a quick story but it really messed me up for quite a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you with the Shamni too, like, do you think it was just more expensive and fancier? Or like, did you feel like maybe you had to be a little more careful with it and you were being a little not as comfortable because it was, like, so nice.
1: No, I think it's like anything else. It makes sense that you get a new camera, you make mistakes with it. You make even non-camera-related mistakes because you're you're worried about, like, getting things right. There's different things going on. It's a really simple... Like rational reason to make these mistakes, right? So your rational brain is going, "Yeah, this makes sense. You're going to make mistakes here. Just stick with it, and you'll be fine." But that little voice in your head is saying something completely different, something that's not rational at all. There's nothing rational about it. But that's—it's easier to believe irrational things sometimes. I agree. So that's where I am, right? That's where I am right now. In, in our story, now I've—I've—I've I've, I've moved past that a bit, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But for now, I'll shut the fuck up. And Vanya, what what story have you got for us?
0: You know, I know that usually we keep some things personal, but I think in this case it's important to be, like, direct and honest with people. Yeah, The more people who admit to this, it normalizes it, and we can at least not feel so alone. I was a lonely child growing up, I moved a lot, my family were immigrants, I never really felt like I belonged anywhere. So to this day, I, I carry some of that weight on my shoulders. I mean, I even name my Instagram Surf Martian because of that. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like a beach alien. I feel like I'm there, but not part of it, but adjacent to it. Okay, sure, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. I do think we all deserve to feel good about ourselves and our work and I do my best to give myself that boost when I need it. I'm always questioning, like, my art and wondering if it's relevant and it gets out of control. And that's that little voice. It's gotten to the point where I have just said, fuck it, and I'm going to do things I love because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not for money or success, just for passion. I have an urge to take pictures. And as long as I have that passion, I will nurture it in the best way I know I can. I don't have the answers, nor would I claim to have any (laughs) sort of answers for anybody. But I think that sometimes that internal turmoil I carry is what drives me to continue on. Kind of like always trying to push myself and and prove myself that I can do things. It's also because I say yes to everything.
1: <laughs> you do.
0: You know, like If I said yes to a job or something, I'm like, oh god, oh my god, what if the film doesn't work? What if I develop it bad? Like, oh my god, there's so many things. <laughs> I get in my head. And so yes, yeah, so, so Sometimes the anxiety gets the best of me and I have to take a break, but... I'd rather know that those are the things I need to to do. Like, you know, if I need a break, then give myself a break, mm-hmm. you know, take take a step back for a second. And I feel that sometimes those things, those anxious things are a good way to kind of break it down and go, okay, like, what are the things that I can do to kind of like ease things, like the anxiety of like, whatever is going on? Mm-hmm. I think
1: it kind of helps a little bit. So. Um, the answer machine question was if you carried any morals or any traits from childhood and and everybody, and including myself until now, really interpreted that as good things you carried from childhood. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying mm-hmm. here is that you carried something bad, that outsider feeling.
0: so I think just, kind of feeling like a little bit left out in that way was good in some ways.
1: Your whole childhood, you were kind of an outsider and you still feel like an outsider. How do you think that affects this imposter syndrome? How do you think that that manifests within that?
0: I think for me, it's... Just a little bit of uh, low self-esteem. Like, I wasn't told, like, oh, my God, you're amazing at this, and you deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think some people have. And I I try it with Marley. Like, you could do whatever you want. Like, as long as you love it, like, and you're passionate about it, you you can. You can do whatever you want. You just have to work hard for it. So, I think it was just, like, always, do I belong here? I have to work really, really hard to, like, belong.
1: Yeah. And I guess it would be a big deal in the film community. You know, if you don't feel a part of it, you may take good photos or bad photos or whatever, but you just don't have that connection. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's hard. Is it hard to break out of that? Like, I mean, people like you. People like your work. (laughs) Is it hard to realize that because you've always been an outsider?
0: I think with film photography, it's a niche little spot where you kind of have to be a little bit unique. There's a collective of very, like, interesting people from, like, all walks of life. And that's that kind of drew me in mm-hmm. and I think that's drew in a lot of other people. So I think like collectively we're all kind of
1: weird. <laughs> <laughs> we are.
0: Everybody's like, wait a minute, not me, but you know what I mean? Like unique in like really wonderful ways.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the ways that we can fall into the spiral of <sighs> imposter syndrome is comparing ourselves to others. And that's kind of, kind of almost impossible not to do that. I mean, we see photographs on instagram that we like and we're going to compare ourselves a little bit right
0: yeah i kind of feel like it's like human nature I, I don't even know how you would not
1: do that sure i think that's okay at least a little bit you know it's it's you know if you keep it in check but one of the things that i feel maybe goes in the other direction and maybe not a good direction at least for some people or maybe for most people is i have a hard time with art as competition.
0: Yeah, just comp. Yeah, I'm not really big on competition to begin with. Anyways, no. I don't understand why everything has to be a competition. No, I feel the same way with surfing. I'm just like, no, I just love it. I just want to surf. I don't have to be better than anybody.
1: <laughs> it, it is. It's a really weird thing. Now with sports, you know, there are quantitative things that you can do. You run faster than the other person. That makes some sense. You, that's com- competition. Fine, whatever. But with photography, I don't get that. And so I really have like a pet peeve of mine is, is photography contests and photography competitions. I, I don't understand them. And just the idea that my art needs to compete against somebody else's art, like we're race car drivers, it just really doesn't sit well with me. It kind of bugs me.
0: I, I mean, honestly, I I kind of agree. I think I remember entering in like one or two and just like kind of being like, this is like weird who's judging these anyways this is this is a weird thing to do yeah and some people like to do it and that's fine if you like to do that but i think that on a personal level i know how i am and i know that that could probably get me down so i'm just not gonna
1: do that unless you're gonna win first place you are setting yourself up for failure and to fail at art is such a weird thing to like yeah not just like (laughs) feeling that you're a failure, but to have someone else go, mm, sorry, you're a runner-up in art. Being a runner-up in art is weird. It's a weird (laughs) thing. We don't need to race each other. So I'm not saying that if we did away with that kind of thing, all of these feelings would just cease to exist. Comparing yourself is one thing, but without that drive to compete, without that idea that we can win at art, the cases of this, it might be fewer, you know? And, And honestly, photography without that pressure is just a lot more fun.
0: But, you know, there's always going to be, like, who's successful, who's not successful, yes. you know, and that and that really is kind of the same thing in
1: a way. It really or is. Or
0: Instagram and, like, likes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can ignore photo contests all you want, but that liking is still, it's sort of a weird commodification. You know, we always think of commodification of art as like, you know, money and all of that. And, you know, that is, that is sure, it's that. But we're not really there, most of us. Most of us are still like, well, how many likes is this photo getting? And that's commodification. And I am personally super guilty of this. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, more than any other place, that's where all of this happens. All of this goes down on social media, which, you know, says Mm -hmm. maybe a lot about social media, and probably a lot more about me. And so, I'll share a few photos and maybe some of them will get like a lot of likes I'll be happy with the likes they get. And then I'll share one that gets maybe a quarter of the likes that the others got. And those thoughts, that those voices, they start to wiggle in a little bit, you know? Oh, he's getting closer to the mic, you guys.
0: <laughs> you know,
1: maybe I'm not a good photographer. Maybe I got lucky a few times and I, I tricked the algorithm, which is always that thing you go to, isn't it? You know? Oh, the algorithm yeah. like this. Oh, the algorithm didn't like this. And, which is probably <laughs> true, which is probably where most of this comes from. So we're letting this this algorithm n- dictate how we're feeling and and infecting us with this imposter syndrome in in ways that just are oh, unnecessary. And so, you know, somehow the algorithm gave me a lot of likes. And then the next one, well, I didn't really like it. And so and it isn't like I feel like I deserve all of these likes. It's it's that when I get the lower likes, you know, that's what I deserve. No. But it's really like, no, here's where I belong on this low level you know getting you know very few likes relatively and then the bigger ones with lots of likes well that was just you know a fluke in the algorithm it was
0: luck and i think that is imposter syndrome a lot it's like oh i just got lucky and that's and that is like that is a sign of like showing that and i've i've had that too and um i do get that with like the likes and stuff and i i think we just need to remind ourselves like well do you like it because i i mean i like it I'm sharing it because I enjoy this and I like this and I shouldn't be counting how many people are, you know, engaging with me. Like, I'm sharing this because I like it. Yeah. And it shouldn't matter how much engagement. I mean, it's it's so great when people comment and say, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Or they say something funny. Like, it's great to get that connection with people. And
1: so much more important than likes, really.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, honestly, I would rather have comments than likes.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. And what that's interesting, because we were talking to Marley the other day, and Mm -hmm. she seemed dumbfounded that we had likes, that we could see our likes on Instagram, Mm -hmm. because for whatever reason, Instagram has taken her ability to see her likes away. And that's kind of fun, especially, I mean, that's very useful for a 13 year old, because I think the liking thing is probably destroying a lot of people. So I think it's kind of cool that Instagram's playing with that. At first, I was a little like, "Wow, well, I don't know. I want to see what my engagement is." So, what do you think about Instagram without likes?
0: It would be odd. I think uh once you said like, "Oh, well, like you could comment on it, but you couldn't, you can't like stuff." Yeah. I, I like that because then that's like the engagement I want. Anyways, I want to have conversations with people, mm-hmm. so it doesn't really matter as far as like how many likes I get, as long as like people were still able to like message you and talk to you and, and, you know, communicate with you because honestly communication is way better than just like a someone clicking like a d- double tapping a screen, honestly. Oh, sure. Sure. You know, I, th- I think about my daughter mm-hmm. and I think about, you know, the kids. I just think of them and I don't even know how I would be as a person if that was my reality. I don't know. Yeah. but I think We don't. We don't know. <laughs>
1: no, we have no no concept of it. And I think the absence of likes, I think, would, is a, would be a really big help with this. It would be for me. And maybe other people don't have this problem. Maybe this is a, a me problem or a very few people problem. But mm-hmm. I think it'd be a good idea.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And while that's a
1: good fix, you know, a good band-aid anyway, there are actual ways to overcome imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, actually, there seems to be as many ways to deal with imposter syndrome as there are people who have been affected by it, or at least as many ways as there are articles about imposter syndrome.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there is a lot out there. It's a little muddy too.
1: Yeah, I think every article seems to have like nine ways to beat imposter syndrome, and they're all different. So, if you want to be inundated with different ideas, and you should be, of, of how to overcome this. Go read a ton of articles about imposter syndrome. Some of it might yeah. connect with you. And this is what has connected with us for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. Some people can power through it and they sort of fake it till you make it, right? Which is what imposter syndrome kind of is anyway. I think if we're actually doing that, if we set out to fake it till you make it, that's one thing. But if you're feeling like you're doing that when you're not doing that, well, that's that's imposter syndrome. So yes. while some people can just power through it and come out the other side, like there was never a problem. That, that's that's wonderful. That's great. And I guess sometimes that does work for me. You just put your head down, finish the hat and, and go for it, right? Mm-hmm. Other times I need a break and I need to reassess my work. And that can be useful, even if you don't have imposter syndrome, it's always good to reassess your work.
0: So first, we really have to be able to admit that we experience this. We should be talking about this, it should be normalized, it's okay that we're feeling this, but we have to realize that it's just not the truth. It's just not, we're not imposters, we're people. (laughs) Why are we lying to ourselves? We and our friends, have to call
1: it out. It's very important. We need to understand that this is just an emotional reaction. It's, and, and like most emotional reactions, the intensity of that will diminish. Emotions should diminish a little bit. You can't live intensely constantly. And so this is an emotional reaction. It will diminish and soon we'll feel better we just need a little bit of time these emotions we're feeling they're not rational and that's really important to remember and they're not permanent which is also important to remember
0: in times like this we need to step away take a break maybe it's from photography or social media or publishing or whatever it is that's the center of this particular complex
1: yeah i think the important thing here is to understand you're not alone we can talk about this. We're talking about it now, mm-hmm. maybe in a weird way, but we are, and we what need to have. We, we need to have friends. This so is weird. <laughs> we need to have friends. We need to have partners who we can unload to about this, even if they yes. don't have the answers. You know, because. It's just, you know, a weird thing. It's not just going to be like, talk about it, and someone gives you advice, and you're done. But they may not have the answers. But you're able to talk out your emotions, and you can maybe talk the emotions out of your brain a little bit. So we share, when we share to Instagram, or any kind of social media, Flickr, or whatever, we're sharing to an unknown number of people. And we're hoping that's a lot of people. And that's great. But one of the things that I found that really helps me is sharing with one person, just like a friend. So when Vanya and I develop, and we scan, we usually share what we do with with each other, right? Mhm when we're doing this, we encourage each other, we'll discuss the problems that we have with shooting, because we can have problems and not, you know, feel like we're a complete failure, we're just humans. And so, I think this acts as a way of of cutting imposter syndrome off at the pass, right? But I know that I feel better about my work when I have someone who I trust telling me that it's good, or that maybe I could improve a little bit. And when I can be that person for Vanya, it also feels great. It's actually practice for giving myself the same praise. You know, if I see one of her photos, like, oh no, you really did this well, I can then turn that around and see one of my photos that. I see that same thing in, and that really helps. This doesn't mean that I suddenly think that everything I do is great. Sometimes I fuck up and just make bad photographic decisions. I look at the results, and and I I know that I could have done better, but that's the key. I know I can do better, and so that means I know how to do better. I know what I did wrong, and I know how to fix it, and so next time, I will. Are you okay? (laughs) I'm crying. Why? it was just very sweet it's true you're that person for me i i'm so happy (laughs) sorry and this is why it's very nice to share with somebody you trust (laughs) because you may inadvertently end up making them cry
0: it is sweet we it's it's great. I don't know how you deal with me sometimes, but thank you very much.
1: So that's one way, what I call limited sharing, sharing with one person. That's just one way to do it. So what's something that helps you?
0: From that wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thing that you said, I'm going to say, everybody poops. Go on. Has anybody read that book? <laughs> if you if you haven't, I highly recommend it. <laughs> It's something that I have used to humanize people that we just like put on pedestals. Mm-hmm. I live in LA, if I haven't mentioned that in the last five minutes. Uh, there it is. I live in LA. Here, it's about status, like most places, who you know and what you can get. I like to remind myself that everyone poops. <laughs> you know that beautiful man or woman or movie star, they poop, <laughs> I promise you. They have done the number two and the number three. Wait, we all do it. Wait, what's the number
1: three? <laughs> do I want to know? I don't want to. Go on. Go on. I'm not going to go there. Yeah.
0: I can't tell you how happy I am right now that Eric actually is letting me talk about poop on the podcast finally. <laughs> this is episode 39. It's been a long road and I am giving a speech right now, but I never gave up. And here I am talking about pooping. <laughs>
1: Okay, moving on. Poop is is maybe an extreme way of, of humanizing people, and maybe not necessarily a photographic way of humanizing people. So one of the well, the less extreme humanizations that I like <laughs> to do is I'm into a lot of historical photographers, right? Mm-hmm. I like going on to their archives, and a lot of times you can find their archives on like the Library of Congress or sometimes state archives. And maybe it's uh, Evelyn Cameron, maybe it's
0: Walker Evans or Dorothea Lange.
1: When you look at books that that, that those people have put out or they've been put out of their work, they're always the the beautiful photos. They're wonderful to look at and they're almost unattainable in their beauty. But what you have to understand, especially with the FSA photographers and even with Evelyn Cameron, there are literally thousands of photos that we we were never meant to see. Mm -hmm. And those photos in some cases are fucking awful.
0: Yeah, some of them are. It's been great, actually, because with the podcast, we will go down these rabbit holes and like look through tons of photos from professional photographers, and we get to see their fuck-ups, and it's it's humanizing. It's amazing.
1: I see Evelyn Cameron making the same mistakes that I make. Horrible, in some cases, really bad composition from photographers like Walker Evans and Dorothea Mm Lange. It's important to take their failures and really look at them and see like, well, I've failed this way.
0: I'm still, I'm waiting for my, the Solomon Butcher, like I'm going to draw a turkey on my negative. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, but I'm, I'm I'll
1: get there eventually. <laughs> I think you'll be able to, but I think it would be interesting for me, more modern photographers or even like if there were a book of Ansel Adams fuck up.
0: Oh, that would be awesome. It would be
1: perfect. All you ever see of his are his amazing photos and they're amazing, but I want to see mm-hmm. his fuck ups too. And sometimes like the Magnum photographers will put out a book of like contact sheets. So if there are fuck-ups, oh, there's really, really tiny, and you can't really see them. I want these fuck-ups huge. I want a huge coffee table book.
0: Yeah, someone actually recommended the uh, Magnum contact sheet book, and that was one thing that he did mention. It's like, you see all these photos, you see the one they pick because, you know, they have it marked, but then you get to see all the other ones that didn't make it, and that I think is really interesting because you get to see what made them decide on this particular photo and why the other ones didn't make the cut.
1: And we can also kind of apply that to our own work and be able to pick maybe um, better photos.
0: I think so. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And speaking of better photos, we've Touched on this before, that both of us are bad at accepting compliments. Oh, yeah. I have a really horrible time with this. I'm really bad at it. Mostly, I don't want to seem egotistical. Yeah. It's like if somebody would compliment me and I would say just a regular thank you, like a normal human being would, that somehow that's going to be read as, yeah, I know my work is awesome, you know? But accepting a sincere comment is it's just fucking polite. <laughs> right
0: yeah i think at least our personalities yours and mine we're probably hypersensitive to like being egotistical i don't want people to think that i'm better than anybody because i'm not and i tried to you know say that i mean during dev party i make mistakes all the time and and i fess up to it i think it's important for people to realize like hey like i fuck up sometimes and i make mistakes and it's okay like i'm I'm still learning, and you're still learning.
1: Yeah, going back to the humble thing, I think it's really important to be humble. Yeah, you know, I think yeah, so. Own your successes, but don't be a dick about them. I think there's a I don't <laughs> I don't think there's a fine line there either. Being humble and gracious, they really are wonderful things to be. Especially gracious. So mm-hmm. when somebody gives you a compliment, don't just like oh what this this old work oh oh I don't know yeah it's don't been, dismiss it. And that will eventually get you into the mindset, like, you know, maybe my work is is okay. You know, maybe maybe it's not bad. You know, maybe it's okay. <laughs> but you can be fully aware that you're good at what you do and not be a dick about it. That's possible.
0: I think just taking the time to recognize all your hard work that you've done. We're always learning and growing as artists and adults, so be proud of it. Just be proud of it. Own it. Yeah.
1: I think one of the most important things to remember – is that that when you're feeling this way, when you're feeling really down, you're feeling like this imposter syndrome is taking over, again, remember that it's temporary. It's going to end. If you're going through imposter syndrome, there's a pretty good chance that you have anxiety attacks. I know I certainly have. Mm -hmm. And one of the best pieces of advice that I was given with anxiety attacks is that you have to understand that you're not always going to be feeling this way. This will pass. And it's a hard thing to realize when you're in the middle of it but Mm -hmm. eventually you do, you do get around to figuring that out. And this is the same way. Um, I think imposter syndrome is maybe more doom and gloom than an anxiety attack, but that will pass, right? That does, it goes away. And so all of these things can help, at least they've, they've helped us, you know, maybe they'll help you too, you know, in the end, just remember that we're all dealing with this. You're not alone in this. And there are people out there we can talk to also remember that we are always our own worst critics. Like, nobody hates our work as much as we do. Nobody. <laughs> that
0: is true. Yeah, it really is.
1: Nobody <laughs> hates my photos more than I do. And, and that's probably not going to change.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to be very critical of our work, more than anybody.
1: <laughs> and and because of this, I think it's best that we all share this in an environment where you're not going to be ridiculed. Maybe like a Facebook discussion group full of like asshole dudes is not the place to share this, but find yourself a place where they don't exist mm-hmm. and share your fuck ups along with your successes, your, your, your pet, your bad pictures, your bad days. Share mm-hmm. them with your friends. The more we share of these, you know, maybe put some fuck ups in a story or something, the more that Mm -hmm. we'll see our own progress. Remember that the more we're there for each other, the less likely it is that we're derailed by our own doubts, our own anxieties, and our own setbacks.
0: Anybody who's listened to us for more than a couple of episodes knows that we love zines.
1: We've made, read, looked at, reviewed a slew of them. And we've loved almost all of them. And so this episode, we've got two for you. Vanya, what's the one you've got for us?
0: Rust Buckets. <laughs> Rust Buckets. <laughs> By Regaldo. Yes, Rust Buckets is a... Full color square masterpiece of rust. rust. Do you like old cars, trucks, in overgrown patches of grass? Well, then this is for you. No Bondo bobs here. Just the true patina of old lead paint weathered for 50 years or so. Rigaldo opens up his treasure trove of color film for this one. We've got Portrait 400, 800, Ectar 100, Ectachrome, Cinestill, Fuji Color Pro H, Fuji Chrome Provia, and a dash of Fuji Film Superior Extra 400. Color, I would say, was an excellent choice. <laughs> These still <laughs> buttes, while Portra plays off the warm tones of the yellows and oranges of the rust buckets. Fuji cools it off with some purples and blues. Does it make me want an old Studebaker? Absolutely. Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> old Studebakers are. Oh, Oh, God.
0: So good.
1: This Cheatbaker Lark is one of the best looking cars ever made. But please, go on. (laughs)
0: Not sure if any of these rust puppies have been turned over in the past decade, but I think it's time to trim the grass from underneath them and get them back to their former glory. Or that's what I always think when I see them. I'm like, I will adopt you. (laughs) (laughs) You can sit in my driveway for the next decade exactly <laughs> until the grass overgrows over here Ugh, so
1: goodness. how does one go about picking up rust buckets by rigaldo
0: okay well his instagram is at pretty underscore nifty on ig mm-hmm. he has a link and and we will have a link also on his instagram he has a link we'll have a link on our show notes it's on MagCloud for about 12 bucks lovely zine lovely zine thank you so much for sending it to me eric Yes. What's the zine you have
1: for us this week? I have one that's at once familiar and new to to us. I have issue four of Monochrome Mania by Mark O'Brien. Now, any listeners have been following us for any amount of time. We have reviewed all three of his other issues, and the past issues have been very magazine-like, with articles, using photos, mostly as illustrations. But this is a different thing. This is more like a photozine. It's entitled A Cold Reckoning The Nature of Winter, and it's made up entirely of winter photos. Now, I moved to the West Coast to get away from winter as I knew it in Pennsylvania. It's not that it wasn't pretty, it was just that it was horrible in every other way. Um, (laughs) I I, I really don't like winter. Fortunately, (laughs) Mark captures the black-and-white beauty of winter in Michigan, uh, starting with the ice. He moves then to scenes of, of melting, which is my favorite part of winter. Here, there's more ice, but long shadows, fresh snow, landscapes, and just weird abstractions. Throughout the zine, quotes and poems about winter illustrate the photos, rather than photos illustrating the text. And because this is Mark O'Brien, he still does provide tips and tricks for shooting in the snow and cold. He covers everything from the best cameras to use in sub-freezing temps, to the clothes to keep you warm he's got your back always with this (laughs) this zine should be gotten by contacting mark on instagram he is at mfo photos it's 12 bucks so go on get it real (laughs) sorry i don't know where that came from we'll have the link in the show notes as always
0: If you'd like to support our podcast, you can head over to slash all through a lens. We've got bonus episodes, full length interviews, and a growing number of things.
1: And most recently, we recorded a bonus episode where we asked each other a bunch of questions, and it was, it turned out to be really fun. We were both really in a good mood that day. <laughs> and so here is a quick clip of that. Okay, okay well, you, this question was. One that you wrote for me. So let me switch it up on you a little bit and ask you: cameras or surfboards?
0: Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I guess cameras. Still, I could still you use can. my body as a surfboard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you could, which I
0: do. I mean, I do. Like when yeah. I I'm, when, I'm, yeah. when I shoot in the water, I'll ride right a wave in on my belly. It's fun. uh it would suck that would be awful but i'm sure i could figure something out if i was like on a you know dessert island i would you know make myself a a board out of like a log or some shit
1: (laughs) and also this week we have two new patrons that have signed up
0: yay yeah i'm doing the like inflatable hands sorry (laughs) (laughs) well <laughs> inflatable, hands,
1: inflatable so, uh, hands i don't know sh- big just huge hands so that is chris visser and adam remnant so thank, thank you. you
0: thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank <laughs> you
1: so thank you both so much we really appreciate it it's just got not not dipping back into the imposter syndrome thing but man it feels weird when people are supporting us it's just a wonderful <laughs> feeling and i hope we're doing you guys proud and that we deserve it <laughs> And so the patron we'd like to highlight this week is Alex Morrison.
0: Yes. Another photographer that some of this stuff is just so beautiful. A very like kind of contrasty. Like the look at that black he has like one photo, it's just like straight up black sky.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Like a weird crater kind of thing. And the one next to that, which is I think a tree in water, but the texture on the tree is just ridiculously beautiful. It's mm-hmm. amazing. It is such a wonderful photo.
0: I also want to mention something, too, that I really enjoy. He's not afraid of his shadow. <laughs> he is not. <laughs> he's not. And I like it. Like, I'm into it when I see people that, like, include... Like, there's one of, like, his car. And he looks like he's, like, driving down the road. And he's like, oh, I'm taking a picture of this with my shadow in it. I just... I don't know. I love it. I don't know why we don't do that. I, don't, I think... As photographers, for some reason, we're like, oh, my God, we can't have our shadow in it. But, like, why? That makes it, like, so real and personal sometimes. I mean, maybe not all the time, but it makes me, like, think about all these, like, missed opportunities. Like, there's a beautiful place, and now he gets to be in the picture forever.
1: <laughs> and also, that was something that Evelyn Cameron did. Yes. Which would put her signature, her, her shadow, in a lot of her photos. Mm-hmm. And it's very endearing. And I see some, he's tried some of the things that I've tried, like the trichromes. And mm-hmm. you can see that he, he camps with yeah. photography. And that's something that's very Love. dear to my heart. There's a picture of, there's a couple of pictures of Canyon Lands.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There is a wonderful picture. You notice the tower from Cathedral Gorge in Nevada, which we've both visited separate times. Yes. It's just neat to see somebody who's out there taking, taking, I wouldn't say similar pictures to what I do, but similar places and just some striking photos you see the grain in the sky it's so good (laughs) it's some very beautiful photos so please check him out he is at alex morrison 35 on instagram definitely worth a follow
0: and that's about all the podcasts we've got for you today But first, Uh or last...
1: (laughs) I guess it would be last, but before we go...
0: Yes, before we go, what's the next week look like for you?
1: Well, you know, I am planning another day trip to Eastern Washington if I can get this episode edited in time. So, so Patreon subscribers, if you're getting this at the normal time, which would be Saturday night, very late Saturday night or Sunday morning, then rest assured, I am on my way to enjoying a wonderful weekend in Eastern Washington. If it's not up, my apologies. (laughs) But understand... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing my best. Uh, I still don't know where I'm going, but I trust there will be basalt, sagebrush, and old shit. And it's still too early for rattlesnakes, so probably no rattlesnakes.
0: Oh, good. Oh, also collect some sage for me, please. I will do that. Yes, thank you. Of
1: course. And what do you have?
0: Gardening. Planting stuff. It's springtime, baby. So I took last year off and I didn't do any gardening. And this year I am getting on it.
1: (laughs) Nice. What do you plan on planting? Food or flowers or...
0: Lots of food and planting. Like we planted like six trees. Those obviously won't fruit for a while. But just kind of getting things organized, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Oh, and also... I am doing one other thing.
1: Ooh, what is that?
0: I'll be shooting some x ray film because we need it for the dev party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, you will be doing that. Thank you. <laughs> so rest assured, <laughs> I'll get to it. <laughs> and before we leave, here is the answer machine question for the next episode Vanya.
0: Do you name your cameras? If so, which are your favorite?
1: Yes, yeah, so maybe go into a little bit why you name your cameras. What are the personalities? Do they mesh to, do they match to personalities? Is it maybe you're having a bad day and you named it something or what's going on? Why are you naming your cameras the way, the way you are, if you name your cameras? If you don't, if you have like a good reason why you don't, and you think it would be interesting for the rest of us to hear it, maybe send it along too. But mostly, this is for people who name their cameras. <laughs> is there anything else you have to say?
0: Yes. If you'd like to contact us, we're at lens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's allthroughalens.podcast at Gmail, and we're at Lens on Twitter. You can also check out our show notes on allthroughalens.com. Anya is at surfmartian. And Eric is conspiracy.of.cartographers. Both
1: on Instagram. And
0: speaking of Instagram, make sure to hashtag your stuff, hashtag
1: allthroughalenspodcast to be featured.
0: We also do a Spotify playlist for each episode, so check those out and see what we're listening to just search all through lens,
1: you can also find our episodes on Spotify as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever the hell else you find your podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a review. The music you're
0: hearing now it is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com.
1: And thank you all so very much for listening. We love you, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Um, Vanya, yes, do you want to go and shoot? Okay, yeah, I
0: do. Well, let's go. Right. Right. Or right. Right. Or right. right or die. Right or die. Yeah. Or die. Yep. Or die. die.